Hey, you're listening to Featuring Filmmakers, a podcast where we talk to people in the filmmaking industry about their projects and the creative process behind making them. My name is JJ. And I'm Amanda. And this is Featuring Filmmakers. To give you more context around this conversation, we highly recommend watching the project discussed on the blog at featuringfilmmakers.com. Today we're talking to Minneapolis-based director Jay Ness about his sci-fi horror movie, Dark Cloud. In this episode, we talk about some of the challenges of a self-made feature film, including 12 plus hour production days, unexpected time commitments in post-production, and overcoming unforeseen challenges. Without further ado, let's get into it. Thanks, thanks for having me. I feel welcome. We always start the show off just with hearing from you a brief description about how you became involved in the filmmaking world, how you became a filmmaker. I don't know that there's anything special about uh, my story per se. It's, you know, the my parents had a camera, you know, they, they had a VHS camera. And uh, uh, in particular, I can recall there was uh, a time I went over to a friend's house and then they had done something similar. They'd taken their um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figures and were like, I can't remember if they were moving them around um, with their hands or they actually did like stop motion animation. But I mean, that just opened up a, a huge world of possibilities. Um, one of those friends actually being uh, the, the guy who composed Dark Cloud. So maybe I'll circle back to that. Wow. Uh, point, yeah, yeah. Uh, p- point being, though, um, you know, I, I went back home. I, I, I dug underneath my folks' bed. Uh, my dad had a, an RCA VHS camcorder, and I did the very same thing with my X-Men action figures. Action figures became replaced by friends who were reluctant to be in my movies. Going beyond where it started, I I wanted to be an actor. Like Jim Carrey, like Jean Claude Van Damme, were like the people that I wanted to be. And who yeah. I, and and then it came it came down to just uh, people not wanting to be on camera. So I had to figure out how all of that stuff worked. And so my friends just you know were the people that I filmed. <laughs> so and did you then go to film school or where did you pick up from there? I, I didn't. Um, I didn't go to film school. There, there's no better film school than than. Than getting your hands on it and, and doing it. Set. I think with the camera, I was able to take a lot of creativity into my hands and then go through the process with my own hands. So I, I kind of went back to the um, the filmmaking thing, utilizing music contacts, music videos, EPKs. Um, I had some good relationships with record labels and stuff. And that was kind of what reinvigorated the professional sort of uh, angle of filmmaking. As we're talking about Dark Cloud right now, the feature that you directed, could you tell our listeners, like, just give a brief synopsis of what this film is about? Dark Cloud is about a woman who volunteers herself uh, as subject to artificial intelligence um, for rehabilitation. Don't get me going on AI. I've already mentioned this in (laughs) previous interviews, so uh, we'll leave it there. But uh, very interesting, very cool. Um, I'm curious, though, what is what was the process of you getting Dark Cloud into your hands? Because you didn't write it, correct? No, I I, I, I did not. So yeah, sort of the how how it came to be. Um, I've been collaborating with the writer of Dark Cloud, John Kaiser. Um, we had done a couple shorts together. Uh, we were working on one that I directed that still has yet to see the, the light of day due to various reasons. Like I, we had, it's it's 
not to go dark and dramatic, but uh, we, we've, you know, some people who were involved with it passed away mm. uh, and um, just the, their, their complex visual effects. Before I get too far ahead, we did, so we did this black and white film uh, back in 2015 called Curse of the Invisible Werewolf, which was like an ode to the Universal Monster movies and like Godzilla and a lot of the the old um, kai, like kaiju sort of all, you know, we, we took our, our, our influences uh, that, that inspired us as kids uh, and, and we, we made that film and then we, and John, then we swapped positions for the next one, um, uh, where I went in and was editing and producing for him a script he wrote called Bobby's Runoff. And that was a short, uh, the, the first short that he directed. And, um, I'm giving you this context because the makeup artist for both of these films, uh, is a gal by the name of Nicole Fay, um, and, uh, she had worked on a feature film uh, that was produced by a gentleman by the name of Craig Patrick. And uh, <clears throat> Craig was looking to do another feature film and he was looking for someone who had horror experience and someone that, you know, she could, that, that she had a relationship with, that she could, she could trust. Um, and so when we were on set, um, Craig came by and, and, and checked things out and uh, we met and actually it was like, actually a couple years of just chit-chatting back and forth with Craig, who is the executive producer of Dark Cloud, uh, just about getting a movie made. Um, he went and did some other things first, but we'd get lunch now and then, um, check in, say hi. Uh, I'd ask how his thing was going. Uh, and a couple years went by and one day he called and asked if I wanted to direct a, a movie and, uh, you know, swung John back in. And that was in like fall or late summer 2017. And it, it developed really fast. That's cool. Maybe, so m maybe too fast. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. hear you. That's cool. So basically what you're saying is it was a relationship thing. You knew people and you kept in contact with them and then they eventually presented this to you and said, Hey, what do you think about doing this? Right, exactly, yeah. Is there anything that you would consider unique uh, in a part of your pre-production process when you're involved in projects? Is there anything that um, you like to do in the pre-production phase that maybe wouldn't be standard? For some reason, music is really inspiring for me. Like I'll start by um, listening to a bunch of music that just starts to sort of vibe with how I'm feeling about things with the script or the characters. Um, and maybe start envisioning sequences or, or way to ways to incorporate music. That's, you know, and I think that makes a lot of sense because kind of, I guess where I went with my life for a little while. Yeah, totally. Um, music to me, you know, it's, I was really influenced by video games growing up and, uh, I'm never gonna forget when uh, I was playing. There's a, there's a video game franchise um, called Final Fantasy, uh, and uh, I'm gonna go off on a tangent here for a moment. But you know, when I was playing it with like you know these 8-bit and 16-bit graphics, I was I remember being um, moved emotionally uh, by these simple graphics. So these characters really couldn't emote, you know, like, so these 2d plates with next to no emotion. Um, and the way those video games would utilize 
the power of the tools they had, the limited tools um, with music, like with text on screen. Like I was, I felt, you know, I, I felt things, you know, like betrayal, friendship, love or sacrifice in these text-based storytelling games. So to me, music kind of, I think all in all was sort of this uh, gateway into uh, empathy and e emoting, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's cool. So how did that look in Dark Cloud then? Were you building playlists like from the get-go as soon as you found out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, we actually, what's what's kind of also unique about it is like a few of the artists that had thrown into the playlist are ones we actually got for the movie. Um, I'm fortunate that our music supervisor in the end wound up being a childhood friend of mine, uh, some of the, one of the people I made films with growing up, um, who scored the movie as well. He's one of my childhood besties. And uh, bestie, <laughs> and Love it. yeah, uh, besties. And, and, yes, yes, and like it wound up naturally being like I'm really into like industrial, uh, dark wave um, sounding um, uh, tracks and and uh, a lot of synth oriented things and, and we were him and I were obsessed with the Mortal Kombat movie soundtrack growing up and there's a lot of yeah. that on there so like I mean. It all really, it makes sense when I say this stuff. What would you say is the most valuable and important thing that you learned from this pre-production process? I mentioned it happened, like developing fast. And it did because people were excited. People were ready to make a movie. And at the time I wasn't going to be like, mm, no, I think uh, we can spend more time on this. And I like, give me a call a couple years from now, you know, uh, what, I think what I'm getting at is like, you know, I, I know John, for instance, um, all the creatives involved have either said something about they, 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 they wish that they could do things again um, or they had more time. Would you say you took that lesson and applied it to projects after that? What I will say is like, I am super hesitant about the next thing that I'm going to do, how I do it. I don't know. I mean, it's, this is one of those things where it's like, this maybe was my film school, you know? So it's like, I had, mm. to, this is what had to happen in order for that to, for me personally on my journey, um, I can look back in hindsight's 2020, probably three times the filmmaker I was when I directed this because, because of that. So if I can spin it a little bit, you know, it's almost like it took this in order to, to know what to do uh, uh, m moving forward. And that's just how, that's how life works. I can understand. There have been times on set where I'm like, I'm chilling. I'm just having a good time. And then a producer will like light a fire under me. And I'm like, oh, I got to like take the ship. You know, I just got to like steer it a bit more. And that's actually good to have a bit of that like fire. Having that fire sort of refines you, I think. Yeah, I feel like on, on this show, we often ask like, we don't ask what mistakes did you make? We often phrase it more so as like, what lessons did you learn? Because in this career path, that's definitely, uh, that's what it is. You, you learn lessons and that improves you. And um, to label things as a, as a mistake can, can be a heavy burden. And uh, it's just not good mentally for you. For me, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but like process is really everything. What comes out afterward is is what it is. But I'd rather be the person that has, you know, a really solid 
set and everyone has a good time. Everyone feels respected. Totally. And everyone feels like, you know, they're heard and they want to come back and do it again because it's hard. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. How long did you guys shoot for? We won. I think principal was like 23 days or something okay. like that. And then we went back and did um, a little bit of additional shooting. We actually went out and reshot the ending. Um, I mm. flew out to LA with just Ben and Anna. Where was the majority of it filmed? Was it here in Minnesota? It was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so interestingly, um, I'm curious about your guys' um, perception. Uh, you know, did it appear as one house in the movie? Yes. That's what okay. I gathered. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's a few houses, uh, uh, a couple houses. You shot You shot a couple houses? Yeah. Or you well, shot? I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we shot, you know, uh, some of the interior. There, there is... Um, there's a house, a housing community out on uh, St. Croix, uh, 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 Marine on St. Croix here in Minnesota that has a really unique architecture development. A, a guy by the name of Bill uh, let us shoot at his house uh, in all hours, the night and day um, uh, for the first five, six days of production. Uh, and we utilized the bottom levels house uh, of his house and the exteriors. And then... Um, when it came to most of the interiors, uh, there's uh, a woman here in Minneapolis, a uh, wonderful person. Uh, her name is Jamie, and uh, she was kind enough to um, essentially let us take over her house for the rest of the month. Uh, and, and we shot nice. here. Yeah, uh, not too far outside of uptown Minneapolis. Cool. Nice. Yeah. That's great. And then you just sort of stitched them together and made it feel seamless. Stitch them together, you know, paid attention to staircases. Like those were good transitions. <laughs> stairs are stairs and coming around corners and stuff. And Yeah, right? Yeah. There's always stories from sets and productions. So what are some or um, what's one that sticks out to you especially? You know, in, in advance, it's like we, we, we had a lot of fun. We, we did. Uh, so when I talk about some of the, you know, a few of these things, it's like, you know, everyone was very much looking after one another um, and very supportive, and um, uh, it, it was it was a loving, loving environment. Um, but you know, we we just had things go go wrong, like our grip truck being vandalized. You know, like going Ooh. to pick it up and it being spray painted. Uh, to hell! Who did that? Uh, I will hunt you down. Yeah, you know, it was, was it a rental? It was, it was, uh, Dang. our, our, I remember pulling the grip truck up and our, uh, production manager was like, oh, hey, that's, uh, like, that's my boyfriend's favorite graffiti artist. I'm like, yeah, is, does he, does he want to be my favorite graffiti artist and come wash that shit off? <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, it was like. That's my uh, boyfriend's favorite graffiti. <laughs> wow. How cool. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, we returned the truck with a new look and, um. We had these we had these late night shoots um, and overnights, and you know, Marine on Saint Croix is not a hop, skip, and a jump from the cities. It's like an hour and forty five minutes, and there was like five six days of that. And you know, it's because of this. Um, Justin Jones and I carpooled um, one day on set, and um, 
it's because of this incident that, you know, as a director, I will do, I do everything I can to enforce like a 10 hour sort of limit. Mm. Um, we, uh, Justin and I both, I was riding passenger, fell asleep behind the oh. wheel, driving home. Oh, no. Um, in, you know, the, I, I set that up to have a dramatic ending, you know, obviously we're here, we're fine, but we were on the highway and, you know, it took, um, it, 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 I mean, it scared the living shit out of us. Um, Don't get me started. I, I'm a 10 hour kind of a girly too. I'm like, no, no, no. We're doing 10 hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- th- thank you for saying that because like, I'm, I'm, I'm like after, after 10 hours, it's like the work, you know, p- people are, they're done. Like they, like the, the work, you know, there's a, there's, there's a change in, um, temperament, there's a change in atmosphere. There's a, there's a change in, um, I don't want to say it's like people aren't motivated, but it's like, you just, you know, the well is dry. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's the one, one of the things about this industry that I, I, I just can't get behind is h- how much people are pushed. You know, that's, that's madness. I know. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I fully, fully believe in that. After working 20 hour days, I'm like, no, no, this is not happening on my sets. And you know what? Here's the thing. The money's there. The money is there on these sets and yet they push it. And I'm like, it's because we're being greedy. It's because we want these, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to call out anybody, but because people want the most amount of money as possible. It's like, actually, let's try to do what's good for the individual, which is going home after 10 hours, having relationships that are healthy, whether it's a partner or friendships or whatever that looks like, so they can build community outside of work. Anyway, I could go off on a tangent, but it's just because I've experienced that as well too. And it's like, unhealthy in my opinion what else uh what else sticks out from production we had a day at the end of production it was an add-on day there was this sense of um like like we did it it's like now now today it's like we've got these two small scenes that we're going to come back together you know um one third of us are coming back and it felt it felt like i was a kid again i think that that's why it sticks out to me it was like us throwing on a few backpacks um and and uh marching out in into the woods just the film the stuff of of chloe running everyone was just in good spirits uh because we just had 20 something days of you know a, a grind that we that that was successful and you worked with a dp on this right you had a yeah it was ben Yes, Mr. Ben Anke. Oh, it's Ben. Season ding, one ding, ben. ding. Do you like to uh, confide in him with gear? Do you guys talk gear together? Do you kind of just rely on him for that? What did the the gear relationship look like between you and Ben? Yes, yes, we you know we do. Ben is one of my best friends, um, and t- to me, cinematography is uh, one of the tools that I think. Um, that either get over people overly rely on it, or or uh, or or maybe they don't put enough thought into it. Um, and uh, there's something about I think as, as a director utilizing all the tools and cinematography having the power to say so much is obviously saying nothing at all. Um, you know the, what lens you're using, where, where it sits, is it a low angle, high angle? Overall, like. Yes, there's absolutely a language that we built. I think we used the uh, the P the P and S. Don't don't say that too fast. P and S technique, anamorphic. Yeah, uh, 
uh, 35 to 70 millimeter. That's what it was. Um, and it was, yes, we did develop a language because we shot the entire movie on that lens until we didn't have any more. <laughs> so our pickups, our makeup days, we used a different lens. Um, we had just gotten done studying at Masters in Motion um, and there was something that resonated with the both of us. Um, DP uh, Greg Middleton um, had said something about uh, save your close-ups for the end or when it counts uh, because your mind has this way of forming a close-up on what otherwise might be seen as maybe like a medium shot, especially like on a phone. Is like, and so when you really punch in there, when you really get close, like, you know, the audience subconsciously, you know, knows that this, this is something that of importance, it's something that they need to pay attention to because it's not something, something they're seeing in every scene. It's not something they're, um, they're being exposed to left and right. And so mm. that was actually something we, we, we embraced because we thought it was, it, it had a lot of um, validation for the audience. Wow. I love that. I think that that's going to be, that's going to be a soundbite that we put on because I think that that's so good. What body did you guys land on? Uh, It was the red Scarlet W. Well, moving into post, did you help with the editing process at all? Yes. Yes, I did. And the editing process on this one was, was, um, it was, post was where things got really really difficult. When there's not the money to do the thing, you can't make the time to do the thing and to get us in the room to do the thing that was hard to do when we couldn't do the thing. So uh, yeah, it came down to him and I passing the project file back and forth um, and, and, and getting it to where it needed to be. But that took a long time to get there, a good, at least a year and a half, you know, and um I was reluctant because for some reason I wanted to be like, no, 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 this is, this is going to be the, the thing I do right. I, I don't edit. It's like I don't edit my own thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it came down to us needing to do it to, yeah. to get it done. Yeah. Sure. Well, Jay, thanks so much for chatting with us. We had a couple more questions as we sort of wrap up here. I'm curious, what was your favorite thing from this movie. I know that it's been a labor of love. There were a lot of things that happened that were challenging and obstacles to overcome, but what was your favorite? I'd say my my favorite part of all of it, uh, much like every production, it really is just after production, when things slow down, people have a moment to breathe, kind of resettle into their lives or maybe go on to the next job for certain individuals. But I love the part where you get to sit down, you get to review everything uh, that that you did um, and, and kind of just, you know, relive like the last several days, weeks of your life uh, and, and, and examine sort of your perspective, you know, like, uh, look, looking at the marked takes, you know, from the camera reports and being like, oh, that was one that was marked, but actually this one did this. And I didn't see this at the time. And I actually think I like that better. Um, sort of the reflective period. That's really, really, really fun. It sounds like you really flourish in the post-production world and element of it which makes sense as that's your background. And we always ask this question, um, but is there somebody that you really look up to or admire or a project that you thought was really cool that um, you would love to hear discussed or someone you'd love to hear from 
featured on featuring filmmakers here on the show. Yes, I, I, I do. You know, first of all, I'd say, you know, any of the creatives that were involved with this project, you know, I think are worth chatting with on, a, on an extremely selfish level. I will say there's, okay, there's this music video that came out in the last couple of months. Mm. Uh, it was shot by a DP uh, by the name of Kate Arizmendi. Mm. Uh, the, the, the artist uh, is Benjamin Earl Turner. Uh, but mm -hmm. the director is uh, uh, Abtin Bagheri. Uh, the music video is called Headspace Bent. Um, it is, I mean, it's like I've watched this video probably like 12 times. Um, cool. And uh, I, I, you know, I've been following Kate's work for a long time. Uh, and this video actually was the first time I'd seen this director. I want to hear about that 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 production and more about what those folks are up to because it's some of my favorite um art i've seen um in in the filmmaking video world in more recent times we love it well thank you so much for joining us today we really appreciate you chatting with us and um just being honest about your your journey the the good and the bad and all that comes along with that so um yeah thanks for being with us jay yeah thanks guys really it was a good time. Glad, it, glad we made it happen. Featuring Filmmakers is made possible by Harvest Film Company. To dive into content about these projects that we discuss, you can go to our blog on featuringfilmmakers.com where we have everything laid out with behind the scenes, the original project discussed, and additional episodes there. So check us out at featuringfilmmakers.com. Thanks so much for listening. Love you. Bye.